Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Good evening. Welcome in. It is the Therese Paler Show on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kiley. Therese Paler, the lead NFL writer for Yahoo Sports, alongside me tonight. If you guys want to get involved, the text line is 69306. You can always hit Therese up. He is at Therese Paler. On Twitter, I am at BK Sports Talk as well. Therese, how you doing, man? BK, what's going on, man? This, this uh, to me, you know, I love the game of football, and whenever the calendar turns to January, the month I've been mentioning nonstop for four months, you know, I'm ready to roll. How about you, man? I'm doing fantastic, and I'm doing even better after what we saw yesterday. I bet you are. What a stunning turn of events. I mean, I listen. I've been as low on the Patriots as anybody this year. I didn't see that coming. I didn't see a home loss to Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Dolphins. That's never happened with Tom Brady, ever. So the fact that they were able to get that yesterday, how stunning was that result for you? Yeah, and that's why I wrote a column on it at Yahoo. And it's just like, you know what? It wasn't just that they lost that game. It's who they lost it to, when they lost it, um, and what was at stake by losing that game. Just understand. The Bill Belichick Patriots do not lose games like this. We talked about this last week. A home game in December against a divisional foe in a game they have to have. I mean, they're betting like 98% under Bill Belichick in situations like that. And they ended up losing the game um, that they're trying to win against a team with a bad run defense, a team with a bad pass defense, that has Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback, and, yeah, he's doing some things. And, yeah, Devontae Parker and Mike Gesicki are getting increasingly tough to guard. But if you've got the league's best defense in terms of DVOA, okay, you should be able to handle those guys. This is a big deal because that's a game they were trying to win. Um, It's been a long time since we've seen the Patriots struggle in a game like that this late in the season that they got to have. It does portend playoff doom, and you never count out the two goats, right, Brady and Belichick, but um, it's not hard to see them having a hard time even beating the Titans this week. Now, we'll see. Anything can happen, but, like, that door is open now. It's officially open. So you you mentioned the Titans there. You know that's the team that scares the hell out of me. Right. They get to deal with it now. Have fun. I think there were two great things that happened this week. <laughs> two fantastic things. When Ryan Absolutely. Fitzpatrick and that luscious beard that he has beat the Patriots, <laughs> there were two great things if you're a Chiefs fan. The two things that I feared the most going into the postseason, and there's a third, we'll get to that in a little bit, but the two things that I feared the most, number one, playing Derrick Henry again. Didn't want it. Didn't want to see it. I don't care where the game is happening. I didn't want to see that again. Number two, going to New England, the place where, as you say, the phones don't work. They don't. And neither of those two things are likely to happen. The Titans, if they were to beat the Patriots, would then travel to Baltimore to play the Ravens. And New England, you're not going to have to go there this postseason. So. As much as the bye week is huge, and I don't want to undersell how big it is because you get a coin flip that you don't have to flip anymore. That's huge. Not having to go to New England, not having to play the Titans, those are the two biggest things for me. Yeah, and that's not all, too. It's like you've got that, but also, listen, the Bills aren't scaring you. If they manage to proceed, you can handle them. 
The Texans, great. Come on, Will Phil is probably hurt. That def- that offense is completely different without him. You know, I, I think the I think the stage is set pretty good for the Chiefs to at the very least get to the AFC Championship game. But I feel really good about their ability to get to the Super Bowl right now. Like I'm not gonna lie, you know, I'm pretty cautious when saying things like that. But I've covered the ups and downs of this team for a long time. I just I kind of see it. Like Baltimore is a tough place to go win, and I think Chiefs fans should probably be worried about a crucial Marcus Peters interception. <laughs> When it could really, I mean, that, I, that, 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 I hadn't even computed that through I, my mind yet because we, had, you and there I were both so many know stunning things that happened you, this weekend. Yeah, you and I both know that's in play, but I don't think it's out of the question for Patrick Mahomes to go in to Baltimore and remind people who he is. So I'm with you. Um, this was a great weekend for Chiefs fans. You guys have been celebrating it to a stunning degree. I mean, you guys donating to Ryan Fitzpatrick's charity. I mean, Chiefs fans, y'all just always, you guys are hilarious. Um, but it doesn't surprise me, and I, I think it's going to be a great playoff on both sides of the bracket. The NFC is going to be a lot of fun. I, I can't wait to see how this all shakes out. So you mentioned something with the Chiefs potentially getting to, at the very least, the AFC championship game that I found interesting because I was kind of waiting for the Vegas odds yesterday mm-hmm. after everything had shaped out and trying to see, okay, well, how are they going to view this? Because yeah. they're not the end-all, be-all, but I am interested right. in what they, they're very That's, smart no, people out you're there. You're not the only one. For I'm very interested in it. The Sharps know. Okay, so here's what they had. Vegas views this as a two-team race. It's yep. very simple. The Ravens were 2-1, to one, and this yep. is co- according to Caesar Sportsbook whenever they yep. initially put out the odds. The Ravens were 2-1. to one. They yep. were the favorites to win the Super Bowl as of yesterday. Yep. The Chiefs were listed at 3-1 to one, right behind the Ravens. Yep. And then if you look in the AFC, the next odds that you have to look down to were the Patriots at 18-1. to one. That's a gigantic difference it's massive if you're not somebody that gambles basically the way this works if you were to bet a hundred dollars on the ravens if they win the super bowl you win two hundred dollars if you were to bet a hundred dollars on the chiefs you would win three hundred dollars if they win the super bowl if you were to bet a hundred dollars on the patriots you would win eighteen hundred dollars if they win the super bowl vegas is not in the business of losing money no that's an something. amazing thing well they know something they know what we know which is that now we're at the point where this calendar is about to turn there, there hasn't been one thing that we've seen to make us think that that third option for Tom Brady is coming, right? I've told you consistently. This offense is running through James White, catching passes out of the backfield, and Julian Edelman. Teams take away James White by putting a good cover safety on him um, or even a cornerback. You can wipe him out. Julian Edelman, bracket coverage, double him out. None of these other receivers can hurt you because Brady doesn't trust them. The side adjustments either aren't there or they're not explosive enough, or they can't track it deep, or whatever. This is where they miss Rob Gronkowski. I want you to think back to your time as a Chiefs fan. Remember that NFC Championship, AFC Championship game? Remember the I Super Bowl? Well, here's no, no. But here's I want you to dig deeper into the well. How many big plays downfield did Gronkowski make in that game? This is what I'm talking about. Like they miss, whether it's on play action, those leak passes, right? They miss that. His his dynamism on that because he could still kind of hurt you there. And also their offensive line isn't as good as it was last year, okay? It's just not. And you know what? Brady's missing some more throws. Now, I'm not ready to throw dirt on him like a lot of people, but, I, but I, I'll tell you this. The combination of Brady getting a year older and them missing Gronk and him not having a third outlet, whether it be a really strong, consistent running game or another deep ball receiver, they do miss Antonio Brown. This is what you've gotten for the Patriots, and I don't know – it seems unlikely that those young receivers that they brought in 
whether it was Jacoby Myers or Nikhil Harry or whoever you hoped it was going to be, if you're a Patriots fan, that, that they're going to earn Brady's trust in enough time here for this offense to turn around. And I know one thing that we've got a lot on on the text line today, Therese, at 69306 is something to the effect of, yeah, but it's the Patriots. They're going to get it figured right. out. They'll, they'll, they, they've always had these issues. No, like the, this year is different and they've lost three out of five in December uh, and they're not peaking at the right time. This this is not the same right. thing that we've seen in the past it, from New England. They're not going to win every single year. And I understand that. Right. Like I, I actually appreciate the fact some of your textures like there because it shows like a an understanding and respect for like football winning. Like I appreciate the fact that they're thinking that way and not just like, you know, that they're I get it because like winners are winners. But when things end poorly, when things end, they're going to end poorly. Like, Tom Brady's not going to be great forever. Like, the Patriots are not just going to keep winning every single year. Hell, they lost in the Super Bowl a couple years ago. You get, you get it? So, like, they can't keep doing it. At some point, it's going to end. I'm telling you, as somebody who, again, watches a lot of tape, th there's a fundamental flaw in that offense that is very, very real. And now we see why even while they were winning, even when they were cruising, Tom Brady stayed on Antonio Brown's Instagram liking all, like, hey, hey, you know, get it together. You know, we're still with you. He knows that he needed that guy to get back to a Super Bowl. He knew it then. He knew it then. And I will tell you this. If they had Antonio Brown, maybe we're talking a little different. Better yet, I'll go a step further. If they have Antonio Brown, we're not throwing dirt on the Patriots right now. They miss him. They needed him. And you know who knew it? Tom Brady. Culture matters. And what you're talking about with our texters who are talking about the Patriots potentially getting back, that's culture. Like what they're referencing there it, is the culture of winning. It's a will, respect for the winning. Absolutely. That, and that's the culture that they've built inside of that locker room, the culture that they've built in, in New England. And it deserves to be praised. It deserves to not be discounted. And respected and, and figured into the decision-making process while projecting. But also, talent matters. Yes. And, like, at the it end of does. the day, the Patriots this year, the difference between this year and years past is, in the past, they had Rob Gronkowski. They had an offensive line that had stalwarts. They had guys at running back or receiver that could make up for things. They don't have those dudes this year. And so when you don't have the guys – Eventually, the culture can only get you so far. And there, there's one more aspect of this that really makes me feel pretty comfortable saying the Chiefs will beat them when they come here. A pissed-off Patrick Mahomes facing a team that knocked him out in a game they shouldn't have lost. I don't believe Mahomes is going to let them lose that game. For them to lose in the divisional round, something we don't want to talk about is going to have to happen. You know what that is. An injury, something like that. That's what it will take. If Mahomes plays all 60 minutes of that game, I don't think they're losing. As much as I believe in Mahomes, he is not even the number one reason why this year feels different for me than last year. Because last year, he was at a different me level. Me either. I know what you're about to say. I want to get to that on okay. the other side and how the Chiefs are playing like a legitimate Super Bowl winner. We'll get to that on the other side. Plus, a new name has emerged as the clear-cut number one running back for the Chiefs. Therese has been on him all year. We'll discuss it next. It is the Therese Paler Show on 610 Sports Radio. The Therese Paler Show, 610 Sports Radio. Listening on the Radio.com app, make sure to favorite 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back. It is the Therese Paler Show on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kylie. Therese Paler alongside me tonight. Get involved with the text line 69306. So, Therese, yesterday was once again a reminder of the way that the Chiefs have changed this year. <laughs> 
Patrick Mahomes had a good game, but not a great one in terms of the numbers especially, and he hasn't gone over 300 yards. I think it's in like a four or five weeks at this point, mm -hmm. but it doesn't matter because the defense has been amazing. The Chiefs have won six in a row, and the defense has allowed an average of 11.5 points per game over those six weeks. Patrick Mahomes in those six games, averaging just 235 passing yards per game. And that's not a shot, shot against Mahomes. It's just a signifier of how much different mm -hmm. they're winning compared to wh where they were a year ago. Trez, we've certainly talked about this before, mm -hmm. but how much more faith do you have oh, now that we've seen it for six weeks in the Chiefs this year in the postseason being able to yeah. run, win the January style of winning as opposed to what they were a year <laughs> I ago? I like that. Thank you. Um, okay, so... I appreciated you saying January because mm -hmm. that's been the that's been the emphasis of our whole show the last four months. Um, I do put some stock in the like DVOA from Football Outsiders. I think it's a pretty good indication of how good a unit is, and the fact that the Chiefs are 14th right now compared to 26th a year ago tells me everything I need to know about how far they've come with a lot of the same personnel. Not all, but like a lot of the same personnel. Um, I think it's time to appreciate Frank Clark. Um, who's played through some stuff this year, um, has still logged a ton of snaps, like three times as many as D Ford, who's my guy. But, like, they needed that 4-3 in with the run defense and just the availability, right? Like, that was a part of that decision. He's helped. He's brought an attitude. Badger, you know, I've told you all year, like, Badger, <laughs> he might lead the league in almost interceptions, but his influence on his teammates and his steady presence, that stuff matters. Um, Colin Saunders, like I told you, rookies typically stink, but he was an all-juice guy for a reason. Shout out to Colin Saunders. He's an interesting guy. Um, and then the most important thing, the most impressive thing, Steve Spagnolo and his defense. I I'm sure as a Chiefs fan, you could just speak to the fact, you just have to appreciate the fact that you're seeing stunts now. You're seeing blitzes. You're seeing things that are choreographed well. And they're bringing the fight to you instead of just playing defense the whole time. Like, you got to appreciate that, right? I thought Terrell Suggs said something after the game yesterday that was really interesting, Therese. And it kind of goes to your point there. He said that the defense is playing with a swagger that he, that he really appreciates. Imagine if we had said that a year ago. Like, you would have been laughed out of the building if you said the defense, the offense last year played with a swagger about them. The defense didn't have the At confidence, all. and it didn't have, honestly, the statistics and the actual numbers to back it up of playing with swagger. This year they do, and Tyron yeah. Matthew brings that, and he's talked about the championship Absolutely. swagger that they have. Frank Clark brings that. Chris Jones certainly brings that. Those guys that are on there that have now been accomplished players in the NFL Absolutely. and are legitimate pro bowlers, it's a different attitude that they have on that side of the ball. And Frank Clark talked about that all offseason, how they were going to have that, and – some people laughed at him and were like, yeah, we'll see it. It's true. They have a different attitude on that side of the ball than what they've had in the past. Both Frank and Badger talked about it. And, you know, I believed it because if you talk to them for five minutes, you kind of see that they're not about really anything other than, like, winning football games. And I've talked to enough football players to kind of be able to tell when a guy is faking that or when they're not really about that. And I, I have noticed that over the last few years in particular, there has been a real emphasis on bringing in defensive players who at the very least care a lot about the game. And that matters because I, I've told you guys a lot. Um, th these guys might be millionaires. A lot of them might be, but, and, and no one is asking you to feel sorry for a football player. Like a, that's a, everybody. That's a lot of people's dream, but you know, the process of getting ready to play pro football really isn't very fun between the meetings, um, between the politics of the game, 
uh, between the criticism you get on social media, go like check out what's being tweeted to a guy. Um, you know, a lot of times it's not a lot of fun. So when times get tough, what you, what you need are guys that understand how to win and care solely about winning football games and can lead from the front. And I do think there's been a real emphasis on bringing in guys like, not saying there weren't many before, but I'm saying you need as many as possible. And I think that emphasis has really helped this defense because in the middle of the year, we were talking about, hey, what they bring in Spagnuolo for? Like, what, Where's the improvement supposed to come? And now you've seen that they've been able to weather adversity, right? They've weathered it, and they've gotten better, and they've gotten better because they care about getting better. I think a lot of credit because when, when there's things that are going wrong, especially in this business, there's a lot of blame that goes around, and we love assessing the blame and divvying out the blame pie. Both internally and externally. We're really bad at giving credit sometimes. And so, in a situation like this, I think it deserves to be said that Brett Veach did a really good job this offseason. He believed in his plan at corner, Absolutely. and he was criticized a lot, yeah. both on the radio and anywhere else, for what he was doing at the cornerback position. It's worked. He masked some of those deficiencies by what he was able to do with the safeties. His defensive staff that he put in place, along with Andy Reid, has gotten the most out of the guys that they have in the secondary right now. He brought in Frank Clark. He brought in Tyron Matthew to bring in some of that mentality. He brought in Damian Wilson, who's done pretty well for them this year. He has some under-the-radar right. signings. Mike Pinnell, middle of the year. Terrell He's Suggs, middle of the year. Right. Brett Veach has done a really damn good job of putting right. this defense together, and he did it. Right. You, we said early in the year it's going to take a couple of years. He did it in well, one offseason. And that's very difficult to do from going from a 3-4 base to a 4-3 base. But, um, you know, they, <laughs> there, was a, there was an understanding that there might be, in my opinion, because like, you look at some of these guys that have shifted over to the 4-3, like, you know, Spags inherited a few guys, okay? And the guys that he inherited have actually been okay in this defense, whether it was Derek Nottie, whether it was Hitch, right? Like, some of the guys he's inherited have been fine in this defense. So, um, that shows a little foresight as well. Uh, corner's still something that's going to get addressed in the offseason. Uh, I think the draft time's going to be very interesting. Um, I, I do think a top 100 corner is something that's going to be very important. But um, I, I think Chiefs fans should be pretty excited about where the defense is headed for them to have played like this, the league's number 14 defense in DVOA. That's top half of the league after being 26 last year, after losing in the AFC championship game, because you couldn't get a stop on a three straight third and tens. There's no reason to think this defense won't be better next year. A lot of the key contributors are back under contract. So I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how, where they go, but you're right. Like we got to give credit, you know, Brett Veach put together a good roster. And I, I, I think there's not a whole lot to suggest that the team won't be stronger next year with another offseason of planning, another offseason of drafting, another offseason of, you know, using that fine eye to draft and acquire players. So I think the future is bright here, and I think Chiefs fans can really be excited about that. I think they should draft a corner early. I saw something earlier today, though, and I would be interested in getting your thoughts on this. So Chris Harris Jr. is a free agent this offseason, the former Broncos cornerback. And he told the media that the Broncos made an offer before the trade deadline of three years and $36 million. There have been some others that have now speculated that that's roughly around the range of probably what he's going to get this offseason. Mm -hmm. If you're the Chiefs, is that, a is, is that the type of corner, the type of contracts that you would potentially be interested in signing this offseason? Um, I love Chris Harris Jr. I still think he's a very good football player. And yes, I would, I would entertain it. Um, obviously, you got to prioritize whatever happens with Patrick. Um, 
without crunching numbers, I'm not I'm not sure you know what you'll be able to do. But I, I know this: Chris Harris Jr. really respects Patrick Mahomes. I think he would probably like staying in the AFC West and probably wouldn't mind coming back here. And I think he'd be a lot of fun with Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew. And, uh, you know, uh, look, I'm all in for bringing in parts of that old swashbuckling Broncos defense. Now, I know you are. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, you won't find a bigger key to leave, Faye. Like, you, let's do one year for Tlaib. Let's go. You already know And, I'm and listen, there's going to be some yapping if it's Tlaib and Harris again. <laughs> I'm getting excited. Like, can we, <laughs> Tlaib, Harris, Clark, Badger, Oh, there's going to be some well, Let's do it. Oh. I'm in. I'm in. You know what I mean. Like, you've got the culture in place now. You've got the guy in Steve Spagnuolo who I think could probably deal with some I, of those personalities. Listen, I'd be interested. Like, like, do you think I'd be into this? Like, Absolutely. You think I'd, I, come on, Neil. Let's go. My only concern is with the money thing. I, I get okay, it. let me throw it to you. I, I'll ask you this because I'll say this and then I'll throw it to you. I, As much as I like Chris Harris Jr., I, I think Chris Jones, is. you, you got to take care of big Chris, right? Chris... But but now you've made him sing for his supper. Like I don't know how easy the negotiation is gonna be with him, right? Like he he is somebody who knows how good he is and now wants to be paid with that respect. You know, between his deal and Mahomes' deal, I don't think I think you gotta prioritize those. And personally, it's difficult for me to see how you get better if you do trade him away, right? So let me ask you, like, if, yeah. if getting Chris Harris means losing Chris Jones, where are you at? So it wouldn't be a one for one. We've got to remember that because you're you'd be trading you'd be trading Chris Jones and getting the draft pick. Let's say it's a second round pick, early second round pick, right? You'd be getting the second round pick, but you'd also, instead of spending the twenty million dollars per year on Chris Jones, you'd be spending like twelve, let's say, in that instance, for Chris Harris Jr. You're getting Chris Harris Jr. plus a second round pick, plus another veteran for the price that you would have paid for Chris Jones. So it's almost a three for one. I, I don't know. I, 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 I have the ability in this situation to say I'm not sure what I would do. I would consider that, though. It'd be interesting to me because paying $40 million to two, interior, two defensive linemen is just such a significant sum of money, especially when the Chiefs clearly lack on the back end. I, I, I don't envy the position that Brett Veach put himself in for this offseason. Yeah, and that, that's the thing. It, it's not necessarily a one-for-one, one, but it kind of is. And I, because, and I, no, I'll just tell you, like, the second round pick probably is not going to be good next year. Like, I, it's important to remember Juan these Thornhill. rookies. I, I you know, that, he's well, the exception. Certainly, he's the exception. But... So probably it's not going to happen. And then the veteran, remember in free agency, if a guy gets to free agency in the first place, he's not like a tier one free. It, the tier one guys, the guys, they never reach it. They'll be so. I mean, you're you're gonna you're, you're take. Sammy Watkins, those guys hit there. They're good players, really talented guys, but they're guys who were allowed to hit it for a reason. So it's important to remember that Chris Jones is like 26. And whoever you get in free agency is not going to be as good as him. So that's why I pose it to you that way. So the point is like the two assets, the best asset you'd be getting in in that swap is, for at least for 2020, is Chris Harris Jr. And then you'd be losing a really good asset in Chris Jones. You'd be so losing like you a blue to, chipper and right. getting good chips. Right. And, so, and that's, so you that's get what I'm difference. saying? Absolutely. That, I totally understand. So, so that's why I kind of want you to think about any fans who are listening, if you want them, and you guys know how much I love Chris Harris, just I, I kind of feel like you might have to choose. So if you're going to make that choice, just know kind of what you're looking at if you do make that choice.
I want to get to a bunch of other things on the Chiefs. Damian Williams emerged as the clear-cut number one running back yesterday. We'll get into that. Plus, if you're looking for a downside of what happened yesterday, there was a very obvious one. I want to ask Therese Paler how the Chiefs can overcome the loss of Juan Thornhill for the postseason. We'll do all that. Get to some of your texts as well. 69306. We do it all next on the Therese Paler Show on 610 Sports Radio. The Therese Paler Show, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to the Therese Paler Show on 610 Sports Radio. Get involved. The text line is 69306. Therese, a lot of good came out of this weekend. The Chiefs got the two seed. They avoid the Titans. They don't have to go to New England. They get a bye week this week to get healthy. A lot of good came out of this weekend. But there was one overwhelming negative that came out of this weekend. It was, of course, the loss of Juan Thornhill, my guy. We both loved him at training camp. Is torn ACL going to be out for the rest of the year? Open into question for you. How do they replace that? How do they overcome the loss of him in the playoffs? I mean, we saw a little bit of it. We saw a little bit of it Sunday. Um, I've actually been pleasantly surprised with Kendall Fuller's eyes back there at safety. Um, I I think he can do it a little bit um, with Armani Watts, a former all-juice guy, right? So in in college, Watts was a guy who kind of had a knack for a big play. I kind of liked it. So I'm not willing to just say, I know the last two years, he hasn't been great, and he certainly hasn't played a whole lot this year. But there's something there is what I'm trying to communicate. And Fuller's played a lot of football. And one thing he is is a football player. Football family plays with really good eyes and instincts. I think they're going to be okay. It definitely hurts. Juan Thornhill has, is going to go to some Pro Bowls, and he'll probably make an all-pro team or 2-1. Like, he's a really good player. You're not really going to replace it. Um it's it's tough, but I, I will say Spags has given you a lot of reason to think that they'll be able to plug some parts in here and, like, adjust for it. But it, it's certainly a loss. Tell me if you think this is going galaxy brain and be, being, looking for the silver lining in a way that probably it isn't there. But this is, but this is from you, though. Like, this yeah, is your, okay. This is right. my opinion. Um, one thing, if you're looking for a silver lining, a reason for optimism about this injury, and there aren't many. Juan Thornhill's really good, and he's been really good for you all year. If you look at the opponents that you're going to play in the postseason, the Texans probably going to be without Will Fuller. They don't really have that deep threat the way that they do when he's in there. The offense is completely different without Will Fuller. The Titans have A.J. Brown, who's really good, but he's not really that kind of a receiver. The Patriots have nobody that's going to beat you that way. And the Bills, they only have one guy. It's John Brown, who can certainly beat you over the top, but you can f- find ways to scheme around that. The only team that could really beat you down the field that can really expose this is the Ravens, and it will probably show oh. up in that game. But otherwise, oh. the teams out there really don't scare me oh. in this way. Understand, BK. First of all, don't the Galaxy brand thing. No, like we're doing this show together because like you do the research. Yeah. I appreciate that. So like I would never say that. So like no, that's a great point. But here's why it concerns me. It ain't about the teams in the AFC. Fair. I think this, a little further. <laughs> Understood. I don't, no, I I think they're gonna get to the Super Bowl. I do. I'm. I'd be worried about these NFC teams. Michael Thomas. Okay. Traquan Smith. Jared Cook's getting downfield. Mm-hmm. Okay. The 49ers. George Kittle. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders. Sanders yeah. Hey, listen. We can go. We can keep doing this. Even if the Seahawks. Guess who's a good deep threat for the Seahawks? Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. We can go right down the line. Now, I'm I'm not crazy about the Packers receivers outside of Devontae Devante Adams, yeah. but I will tell you I like Alan Lazard, you know, I, the, the Iowa State product. Um, so we could keep doing that. The NFC teams and their ability to throw the deep ball 
and hurt you that way, that would concern me. But you got to get there first. Absolutely. And but to get there, I don't I think, think in, the, be okay. in the AFC side of things, I think they'll the be okay. only team that I think could really exploit it is the Ravens. And even with them, yeah. it's more the running game that yeah. you're worried about than the, the throw yeah. over the top. So, and so, so that, that is one thing where as much as the Juan Thornhill loss hurts, the opponents that you're going to play, the style of play that they have, I think it hurts a little less as a result so, of that. So, right, right. But, like, are, are we arguing – so, not are we arguing, but, like, are we are we discussing – because the goal is to win the Super Bowl. Absolutely. So, so that's, that's got to be, like, what we judge that injury on, in my opinion. Because I, I think I might be further along in thinking they're getting there than you think I am. Because I, I think they're going to do it. I'm not going to lie. And I go back through my archives. There's not a lot of times I'm like that definitive. I think they can go into Baltimore and win. I would pick them to go do it because I believe in Pat. I got to base my thought on this injury on how they match up against these NFC teams. I, I think they should get to the Super Bowl. I'm not going to lie. Um, and, you know, the Ravens can really hurt you with all those big tight ends and one thing I like is that Thornhill hits you a little bit. So it's going to hurt you when it really matters against the Ravens and then in the Super Bowl against these NFC teams. I guarantee you, and I'm just telling you, if they get to the Super Bowl and they lose because they miss Juan Thornhill's presence, you're not going to care that they got through the AFC without him. You're going to be like, damn, like I wish Thornhill was there to help us with some of these NFC passing attacks. No doubt. And you're 100% correct on all of that. I was just trying to get them there first, right? Like, I, I was going through my mind of, totally okay, get it. what's the path going to be? Who would they potentially play? How do they get there? I understand. And then when you get there, It's not like it losing Pat. For sure. It's not like losing Ty. Is that your point? Yeah, like, it's so not like losing like, Ty. If you're going okay. down the list of guys that you can lose, especially given the opponents right. that you're going to have in the next few weeks. Oh, yeah. I as much as Thornhill's that. hugely important, yeah. he's not we, one of the five guys that yeah, you just that can't just afford like, to lose. Well, I mean, Kelsey and Clark and Badge, like, absolutely. I, but it's not like a guy that's just like, oh, this doesn't affect the Super Bowl check. It does ding it a little bit. You just have to, like, recognize that and understand it. As much as that was a huge development in the game on Sunday, another one that we saw, Therese, was Damian Williams emerging as the number one threat at running back once again. LaShawn McCoy was active, right. but he had exactly zero snaps over the course of the game. At this point, and you've been saying this for a few weeks now, that Damian Williams probably will and should reclaim the number one job. Seems very clear to me. Damian Williams is number one. They're going to ride him in the postseason and see how far that they, he can take him, right? They, they trust him, you know, and it, it just remember in the Andy Roode offense, and I talked to Brian Westbrook recently about this, you know, it, it's not just about looking pretty and making people miss and, and running the football, right? And I'm not referring to anybody in particular. That's just what people kind of look for in running backs when they're, when they're not looking at, like, the details of the position, when they're not dorks, basically. In the Andy Reid offense, you better be able to catch. And now more than ever, because of all the little dings Mahomes has taken, you better be able to block. But it's not just being stout enough to block. It's understanding the schemes. It's de deciphering where the blitzes are coming from. Understanding the blocking scheme, the offensive line, where their responsibilities are. And then having the want to and physicality to do it. Damian Williams, you know, even back in Miami, has always been a really, really good blocker and a really solid receiver out of the backfield. He does enough to stay on the football field. And while sometimes he might miss a hole here and he's not the most pretty running back, he's solid. and He can be – he can make some explosive plays, but where football coaches really, really appreciate him is that he is a dependable guy who's not going to ruin a play. 
And that that matters in Andy's offense. And it's only going to matter be- more in the playoffs because against the better defenses you face, the more these little details matter. And if you miss a blitz pickup, your season could be over just like that. I know a lot of Chiefs fans were frustrated by Damian Williams all year. I, I get it. It, it wasn't always I pretty. Too. I get it. But last year in the final four games of the year, that's when he really kind of hit his stride. He had 60 touches in that stretch for 350 yards. He did have six touchdowns. That's better than what he's done this year. But 60 touches, 350 yards. This year in the last four games, 65 touches, 370 yards, three touchdowns. Damian Williams in December has basically been the same guy that he was last December. And Chiefs fans loved Damian Williams last <laughs> December. He was great. He looks like an amazing running back, and they decided to re-sign him, and he helps them get through a little bit of their playoff push. He can help you in the passing game. Like you said, he's really good as a pass blocker. Damian Williams, if this is the guy that he is, and he told me yesterday he feels really fresh, he's feeling like he didn't or better than he did earlier this season, this is a guy you can win with. This is a guy that with the way that he's playing right now, mm-hmm. you can feel good about what your running back situation is in January. Yeah, and that, I mean, guess who else liked him? The Chiefs. They signed him to an extension last December. So, like, like that was part of the reason why. Like, you sign people around that time because you trust them. Like, they, they don't have to be, they don't have to be headed to the Hall of Fame, you know, but if you re-sign a guy you just acquired, it's because you trust them, and they, they do trust him. Um in, in in really important situations. And, you know, I, I also think he's a guy who can be playing for money, kind of. Like, I know he just signed the extension, but that, you know, it was only a couple years. So, like, he'll, you know, th- this is a spotlight opportunity for him. You'll get the best of Damian Williams. And um, I, I do think that's good enough to get where they want to go. He's Therese Paler. I'm Brandon Kylie. It is the Therese Paler Show on 610 Sports Radio. Get involved. The text line 69306. We will ask Therese some of your best questions So get those in on the text line 69306 on the other side. Coming up next, we're going around the NFL. I want to talk to Therese about the coaching carousel. And the news tonight out of uh, Dallas is very interesting to me. I want to get Therese Paler's thoughts on that. Plus, is Andy or Eric Bieniemy going to be around for much longer? We'll do it all next. It is the Therese Paler Show on 610 Sports Radio. The Therese Paler Show, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to the Therese Paler Show on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kiley. Therese Paler is alongside me. Give him a follow on Twitter. He's at Therese Paler. Get involved in the show. The text line is 69306. All right, Therese, before we go around the NFL, I did want to ask you about the Chiefs' dominance against the AFC West because, my goodness, what they've done over the last five years is reminiscent of what Peyton Manning and the Broncos did against this division when he was at the helm there. So, the Chiefs went 6-0 and against the division this year. Yep. They are now 27-3 and against the division since 2015. It is the best winning percentage by any team against their division in a five-year span mm-hmm. since the merger back in 1970. Mm-hmm. They have dominated their division more than the Patriots have ever dominated the AFC East. Mm-hmm. The single biggest advantage that the Chiefs have right now under Andy Reid is this stat oh, yeah. that I just read. Oh, absolutely. Um and it's the sign of a great coach. I mean, you've seen like similar like dominance by, um, you know, Belichick typically. You know, was really good against the AFC East, and you know, it's it's a sign of a really really good coach. Um, and also like it's a reflection on the other teams in this division, right? Like Oakland's had a hard time staying consistent. Denver has been in the quarterback wilderness for a little bit. 
Um, the Chargers have never put a complete team around Phillip Rivers aside from last year. So it's a reflection on them. Uh, I, I do think I, I, I do think there's some optimism around the league about where those two teams are headed, though, being Oakland and Denver. I think Denver believes it's found a quarterback. More importantly, I think the players on that team believe they found a quarterback. Guys who don't really lie, who are real dudes, are like vouching for Drew Locke, be it Von Miller or Chris Harris Jr. Um, and I look at that Denver offense, and I think, man, there's some good young pieces on there, whether that's Cortland Sutton, who's very good, Noah Fant, who's been better than I anticipated, and Phillip Lindsay, who I have a man crush on. So there's some things there, okay, in, in Denver. And if they can just build around Drew Locke and, like, give him some, like, veteran weapons, like, they're going to be a little spunkier faster than people think. Now, Oakland, um, very good draft class for Mike Mayock. Need to have another one. Um, I, I think that they've got a quarterback question. Like, we know what Drew, we know what Derek Carr is. I don't know if that's ever going to be good enough to beat Patrick Mahomes. And if, 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 if John Gruden, who is friends with Andy Reid and loved Patrick Mahomes, is being honest with himself, he probably knows that too. So they're going to have to make a decision there. But the point is, I think those two teams are headed in the right direction. And I do think Oakland will get a, bo- a boost from John Gruden not having to do post-game press conferences in a weight room next I- year. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't expecting that. <laughs> the I, Oakland Coliseum, I, everybody. I loved it because it was football, but it was an absolute dump. It was an atrocity. Are you excited to go to Vegas? Oh God! Like, are you? Listen, it's not just me. It's no, literally. It's, I, I, it's, I'm no, no. To go to Vegas. It, yeah, it's literally every like national rider, every beat rider in America. It's like, oh, the Raiders. Here we go. The Raiders in Vegas. The NFL drafts in Vegas. Everybody. Um. It's going to be a great experience for um, fans and the people who cover the league. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be fantastic. Would you trade Vegas for San Diego? Oh, don't do that now? to me. Oh, don't do Which that to me. Which one do you prefer? You want oh, San Diego don't do that you want, to me. you want Vegas? Because oh. it feels like you kind of could have had one or the other. Oh, don't do that to me. I love San Diego, man. I, it, here's the thing. I feel like there are opportunities for me to go to Vegas outside of football. Yeah, it's cheap and easy. Right. But San Diego... Not really. So I think I will pick San Diego because that was a great opportunity to go there with football. Like Vegas is just Vegas, and it's great outside of football. Let's go around the NFL, Therese. There we go. All right. (laughs) Let's start with this one, my friend. The big news tonight was the Dallas Cowboys. Listen, I thought this was written in stone. If the Cowboys weren't going to make the playoffs, they were going to fire Jason Garrett. Apparently, I might have been wrong. Reports came out tonight that the Cowboys have not made a decision yet on Jason Garrett following their meetings today at the Star. Your thoughts, Therese Baylor? Listen, man, I I think he's going to get let go. Um, I I think if they don't let it go, it's a reflection on what that the the state of that franchise right now. Let me tell you something, man. That roster is not an 8-8 roster. And when a team underperforms like that, it's because of the coaching. There's no other reason. That team has a lot of really, really good skill players. Again, if Tom Brady had those skill players, he'd have like 35 touchdown passes. That is, there are some great skill players on that team. And the offensive line's not bad. It's, it's pretty good. So the, the fact that they've lost like that, there's two things I want to see in that Dallas hire very, very quickly. Number one, I want to see somebody get hired there with some gravitas. That is America's team. That team clicks. 
people do care about what's happening in Dallas. That's a big spotlight. You better be able to handle it because your owner's going to talk after every game and make your life harder. So you better bring some juice to the table on your own. The second thing I want to see is whether he, whether their new coach is the offensive guru or whether he hires somebody that can be the offensive guru. I want to see somebody who is forward-thinking and innovative who knows how to take advantage of that skill position, those skill players. That is a, there's a lot of talent there, and I want to see it function more cohesively. If you were the one-man search party for the next coach of the Dallas Cowboys, who would be your at the top of your list? It's hard, to, it's hard to say because the kind of guys I'd be going for, you might not be able to get them. You know, I, I'm looking for meticulousness. I'm looking for a culture setter. If I'm Jerry Jones and I got all that money, I say, Nick Saban, how much you want? I do something like that. I throw a lot of money at somebody I'm not supposed to get because you have it yep. because it's the Dallas job. I like it. The big story yesterday prior to the Dallas Cowboys losing their minds today was... <laughs> I like that little flourish. That was I good. just don't understand. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks. Right. The end of the game. They're yeah. going down for a drive. They throw it to Hollister. He's clearly held by the defender. I mean, Stevie Wonder could see it. <laughs> well, yeah, that's because he ain't blind. They, <laughs> they, oh, 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 BK, okay. I mean, he's not. Okay, he, all he, right. He, he said hi to Shaq when okay. Shaq didn't say anything. That's <laughs> this a is my favorite. Thing to say. This is my favorite conspiracy. Th yes, go ahead. Yes, I mean it. It's just very clear. I yeah. thought we all agreed on this at this point. I don't, anyway, oh no, I don't. I don't think there's a healthy portion of America that's not in on that yet. All right. Well, re read a little bit up on the yeah. subject. You'll agree. With no. It. Do you agree with it? Yes. Okay. No, I agree with it. I'm just saying. Don't assume people are on. Or just, this is not known yet. This is not assumed. It should. It should be assumed by everybody across America. It's anyway, not. Stevie Wonder could have easily seen this because he has 20-20 vision. And Jacob Hollister was held in the end zone clearly by a 49ers defender. They put in a rule last offseason. I don't know if you heard about this, Therese. Oh, of course I did. Yes. To allow it's them the to review such plays. This is the final possession of the final game with a potential number one seed on the line. And they decided, eh, nah, we're good. We're not going to go ahead and take a look at that. How? I, I don't you even already know what to ask you here, you but I don't understand how. how this happened. This is the NFL. You already know how. Like, there's no consistency when it comes to these sorts of things. There's just not. It's, this is how the league functions. Wild stuff happens. You got to deal with it. That's all. Like it, and, and we all complain about it, and the league gets more attention for it. That's just how it works. Calm down. Take a deep breath. Like, don't. It's just <laughs> absurd. They, I mean, they that's how. Rule. Yeah, I know. They decided we're not going to follow. I mean, it's our literally. It's literally. I mean, Charles and I on our, the Yahoo podcast, like, we literally spent like seven minutes talking about. Like, this is literally what they put it in for. Yeah. Like that. That's that, that literally call the play. In that spot in that type type of game. That's like, literally what they it. put it in. Like we all kind of gave them the benefit of that a little bit for like sleeping at the wheel here, assuming they'd bring it out in the big moments. No. They're just it was not going to call it. National spotlight game it's in insane. week 17 with the number one seed on the line. It's now, insane. to be fair, Seattle took a false start or a delay of game, rather, and they ultimately shot themselves in the foot as well. But the NFL certainly didn't do them any favors. All right, Therese, the playoffs start this week. There are 12 teams still alive. How many teams in the NFL playoffs, in your opinion, can actually win the Super Bowl? All right, great. I think the Chiefs can do it. I think the Ravens can do it. I think the 49ers could do it. I think the Saints could do it. Seahawks wouldn't surprise me because of Russell Wilson. I could, I could, I could go there. Um, 
Packers? In the Packers. I, I, yeah, because of the quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. So what is that? Five, Six, five? Or 16. 16 is what That's you That's about had. right. Yeah. That's I had my right. list at five. Okay. The only one that I switched with you is the Seahawks. I just. That's fair. They're so banged up, and the, I don't That's trust fair. the defense enough. But I, otherwise. You got to understand, one, one thing you'll learn doing this with me, Therese never bets against elite alpha quarterbacks and under any circumstances. I don't never want to be on that boat ever. So, but I hear you though. They're beat up and, but Russell Wilson, you never know, but that's fair. We can be on two sides on that. We were talking about the coaching carousel earlier. A big name that people are going to be hearing about moving forward is Eric B It sounds like this is probably going to be the year that he gets a job. Do you think he gets a job? And if so, where do you ultimately think would be a good landing spot for Eric Bieniemy? I mean, I certainly hope so, right? I certainly hope he gets a job. Um, I've I've learned not to like ever assume anything like that because um, I thought he should have gotten the Bengals job last year, and in fact, I thought he was going to get it, and I'm not the only one. Um, so I, I know better than to assume that that's going to happen. Um, you know, I actually think both jobs that he's been requested to speak for are actually pretty good jobs. Um, in Carolina, we mentioned some of the talent there offensively. Um, I, I do like that, and I, I think the owner wants to do things um, cutting edge, and I think that he has he, – he look, as the minority owner of the Steelers, he understands, like, the importance of continuity. So I, I think that's a good job. And the Giants, a lot of their best players are, like, on rookie deals, so there's a chance to spend a lot of money immediately and get better very quickly. Um, Gettleman is hit on, in my opinion, on Saquon, on Daniel Jones. I think Dexter Lawrence is going to be a good player. I actually don't think they're far away from being interesting, especially if they can find a way to get Chase Young. Um, let's keep an eye out on where he ends up going. I think there could be some movement at the top of the draft there. Um, so that's an interesting job as well. I also think we know this place is kind of a – it can be a bit of a wreck, but – I like Eric Bieniemy in Dallas. I, I, I'd like that. You think for him. he could handle it? I do. Um, I, 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 I think that he would command a lot of respect from the players. Um, I think, again, there's a lot of talent on that team. I, and, I mean, the question is whether or not he can handle it is, is he a better coach than Jason Garrett? Or can he be a better? And I think the answer to that is yes. So, um, I, I want to see him go to a place where the team is already kind of interesting and they're already kind of – because some coaches don't always get enough time to turn things around. So, to me, I want to see him go somewhere where he's got a chance to immediately come in and kind of make it cook. Let's get through some of these rapid-fire texts for you, all right? 69306 is the text line, some of the texts from the listeners. Let's start with this one, Therese. How would you feel about free agency when it comes to a running back for the Chiefs? Would you look at Derrick Henry or Austin Eckler if they became available for you? I'd be interested in Eckler a lot. I'd be really interested in Eckler, especially if the money was right. I'd also be interested in Kenyon Drake. I would not spend more on a running back um, than, like, something mid-grade. I would not spend a lot of money on a running back. You don't need to with Andy Reid's offense. Um, it's very running back friendly. Um, and plus, there's just going to be natural opportunities created by Patrick Mahomes. So I wouldn't spend a whole lot of money there. Um, I, I, I'd look into drafting him. I think this is going to be a special running back group. Um, and we saw what this offense can look like when they have a Kareem Hunt type. So I, I'm all for adding more to the position. I just wouldn't spend a whole lot of money or what it would take to bring Derrick Henry here. Plus, there's an also question like of, of Henry's fit. I, I just He's a really good back, but I don't know if 
what it's going to cost to bring him here will make that work. He's more smash mouth, and the Chiefs are more of a finesse offense. So it, it, it could work, but for the money, I don't oh, know. It could almost be a round, square peg, round hole type of thing. He's, he's a little more, he's got a little bit more finesse than you would imagine sure. a 250-pound man. But, I, I mean, we agree here. You don't spend that money yeah. on that guy. He means, how about this? He'd mean more to the Titans than he ever would to the Chiefs. Couple more for you, Therese. 69306 is the text line. What do you think the Chiefs should draft in the first round? Receiver, corner, linebacker, or running back? Which position? I, I get I get the point of the posi- the question. Um, you take the best player at whatever those positions are. Um, I, I wouldn't take a receiver. To get a good corner, you gotta take them early for the most part. Um, I, I would look hard at that. And then if there's like a really, really good like interior offensive lineman. Like somebody, like some of those guys fall to the late first round. If there's someone that I can, that Therese can vouch for, can bang the table for, and I'm like, yo, this guy can play, I would entertain that as well. But I'm all for getting good football players, and they can kind of take the best football player at almost any position, in my opinion. He's Therese Paler. I'm Brandon Kylie. He's Chris Uno Sarah on the other side. We'll see you next week on the Therese Paler Show. The money if you didn't have to pay your house payment for two months, especially around the holidays. That's right. No house payment for two months. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.